0: Warning. Warning. warning, 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 trigger, trigger alert. alert. She about to say some real shit.
1: All right, we're rolling.
2: We're rolling. Yeah, we are. What up, freaking bread donut?
1: <laughs> 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 I've got a touch of the bread donut. What is nut up? I mean, everything's going on, all the so much. I'm so busy. <laughs> but There's you are, So though. many things, so much travel, so many orgies to go to, and faces <laughs> to lick. <laughs> uh, I've never licked so many faces as I lick this week.
2: I Uh-oh, mean, so, I'm high-fiving all over town. I don't even
1: know what you're talking about. <laughs> Fuck that. I'm low-fiving.
2: Um, <laughs> you're like, you can't be a low five. <laughs> um this is our first uh virtual podcast we're like alone away from each other we're sheltering in place and recording
1: yeah we are it sucks
2: (laughs) it really it really sucks i really like missing your face that's why i constantly am facetiming (laughs) i'm like hey (laughs) You're,
1: you're not just checking in to make sure i'm still alive
2: well yes that that too make sure that you know
1: uh, your
2: uh your kids haven't completely um you know eaten all the flesh off your bones dude, or whatever
1: I, I saw some dude the other day who just like had it. he must have just lost his shit and driven down from i was on the west we took the bikes the kids out for a bike ride and we were on the west side and this dude like kind of looked you know slightly bernie sanders looking dude like that age group pulled up in this like mini suv he had like classic rock blasting and he drove onto the sidewalk meanwhile i'm like blocks away from where somebody like ran over a bunch of people down there like last year or whatever and i'm thinking like what the fuck he gets out leaves the door open and like walks towards the pier with the wow. car with the car running on the sidewalk there's hundreds of people all over the place and I was like, what the fuck? And then I like came around and I realized it was a rental because I could see like the easy pass cover. And I was like, and that's when I started to be like, this is fucked up. What's this dude doing? And he didn't come back for like five, maybe ten minutes, and he finally kind of wandered back and like stopped in the bike lane, almost got hit. And he, gets, he
2: wasn't like you. You want some meth or something? Like, <laughs> meanwhile, like <laughs>
1: He's meanwhile, like, like Yo, you want some meth? Even like ten years ago, somebody would have got in that fucking car and just drove it away. You know what I mean? This sure is, like was, They're like, 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 I'm not getting in that Rona mobile. It was at Christopher and the West Side Highway, and so and I'm like, where the fuck are the police? And he finally comes back. He gets in the car. And he goes to pull back onto the West Side Highway, but instead he drives, like, over the median, like, in the sidewalk, like, pedestrians had to get out of the way. Wow. Because he was going to turn and go northbound again, and that's when the fucking cop was coming across Christopher, and they, like, blared the lights. I was like, the cops got him? They pulled him over, and they had him over there forever, and finally, as just as we were getting ready to leave, a fucking ambulance came. Like, the guy was just loony.
2: Oh my god
1: He lost his mind and he had Massachusetts plates And I'm just thinking like this guy was like holed up in Like western mass and just lost his shit And he's like I'm going to New York man Fuck it Totally <laughs> it, was, to- it was so to- weird it was I mean weird. it is just
2: It's so it's so weird right uh-huh. And then don't you um, Are you giving people who don't wear masks dirty looks Because I am <laughs> And meanwhile, like I like pull mine down so I can breathe because like my nose is getting all stuffed all the time. But if I see, like, I put it on if I'm like going near, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. And then
2: like if they're not wearing a mask, I give them like such a dirty look, and they're like, they know. They're like, oh my god, I'm not wearing a mask. She's giving me a total dirty look. But like, yeah, I'm
1: dude. I've put just on a goddamn mask. I've adopted a total like psycho killer look. When I leave the house, I just put on my hoodie. Like this camouflage, like hunter's baseball cap and sunglasses, and my and my mask. And yeah, just,
2: you need to be fully protected. I don't
1: want anybody to see me, or know who I am, and I just and I want to be intimidating.
2: <laughs> I mean, indeed. <laughs> Meanwhile, you look like a little like Ewok. <laughs> <laughs> you you oh, know what I mean? You're like a cute little. <laughs> <laughs> they were tough though, those little Ewoks. They were cute, but oh, they yeah. were
1: tough. They kicked some ass.
2: Um, so this podcast is, um...
1: It's a remote podcast too, isn't it?
2: It was a remote podcast. I recorded this in Miami when I went down there right before the full lockdown.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, I went to Miami for uh, International Women's Day. Yeah. To have a, a signing and a, and a talk at the Museum of Graffiti and... Um, the whole damn world done changed since then. You know what I mean? Like just a month ago or something. It's crazy.
1: I don't know. What do you mean? What are you talking about? Nothing's changed.
2: <laughs> how we are going to gather uh in public? How we are going to be able to like enrich ourselves through the arts?
1: We're doing with it right limited now.
2: Limited interaction. Like it's just like I don't know. I mean, I guess. Everything shall unfold, but I'm thinking, um, things might change. Like they want to get us in our house or something and get used to like, sort of interacting through a screen. Like you can go on these virtual tours. You know what I mean? Oh
1: yeah, I know. It'd be nice if we and, had better bandwidth here in the United States of America. You know,
2: I would really like to, like, have, a, like, a 360 virtual tour. They're really, like, very, like, one-dimensional. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. They need to – come on, they need techies, to up, up the Silicon Valley people. Get it together. <laughs> um, so I know the, the Museum of Graffiti, um, which is more than three people, but the three – I interviewed the three figureheads, um, Alan Kett and Carlos Mayer and Jessica Frieden. And they are trying really hard to like interact with the public by having nightly talks on IG live on uh, they just had a show with the, with our One of our old guests, Brad, Sest.
1: Oh, yeah. That was a good show.
2: Um, The show is fantastic, except for the thing about art, and especially graffiti, when it's, like, reduced to a small image, it just looks like a little thing. Yeah, well, feeding scale, you yeah. know what I mean? Paintings, like you need to sort of like experience them firsthand to like feel the dimension, see the paint on the canvas, the way the light shines on it. You know what I mean?
1: Dude, well, it's funny because I remember in art school, it was always kind of a joke that, you know, but it was true, but it was the thing you'd always say, everything looks better large, you know? So anything, any painting you could do in a 12 by 12, if you could blow it up, like for Brad, 12 by 12 feet 30
2: years and you have never told me that ever and that could i i could have saved years of work
1: but yeah that was like that was like a, it was kind of like a joke it was like people would make you know people that would make mediocre art would make it big and then they would kind of get away with it but oh. so like yeah so it's a it's My a trick. really a no- <laughs> for, gra- <laughs> for graffiti that starts out large like yeah, you can't reduce it at all. You can't even reduce it fifty percent, man. It's it's so it becomes so
2: much less impactful. You can't feel the movement in it, where it, it it's like stifled. Well, it's stuff. why
1: I mean, I mean, I don't know. Why. I'm the I'm the plebeian here, but it's so obvious that whenever I see books, graffiti books, um, they only resonate when they have the environment in them. You know, like the. F- the right, field when you cont- in front, yeah, the
2: whole, or the building, right, so
1: you can at least get a sense right. of the scale, even if you don't get. Because anytime you just see a wall, even if you can see the brick and kind of get an idea of the the scale, it doesn't matter. It doesn't give it. There's no impact. So Agreed. yeah, it's it's um, the medium is the
2: so it's the medium. so no uh, no offense to anyone because I fucking think Sess is brilliant and. Um, you know, it's just sort of like a new way of having to think, how do we present these things? And are we just presenting them? And then the is for the viewer to actually like buy it and to have it and then they can experience, you know what I mean? Maybe it's going to be like more in demand or something. Who knows?
1: Yeah. Well, it's like a preview. It's like watching a preview of a movie. It's not going to have the same impact. Right. It just right. helps you decide if you want it. Right. So.
2: But I think it's just that I think that's everybody's you know what what everyone's thinking. how do we keep art alive, especially visual arts um in a time where we can't really go outside our homes? <laughs> you know what I mean uh. everybody should be going outside and getting a little air i I highly recommend it, but it's not I guess. Yeah, it's not. No, they dude, don't. They don't even want you doing that. You know, that, they right? they
1: don't want because they think people are gonna fuck up. But if you can, if you can wear your mask and and wash your hands when you get back home, like it's not, it's not that crazy. It's you know, like, it flu season was here before this came around, and I mean, I was always cognizant of that anyway during flu season because flu sucks. So. Yeah. I mean, I was on the elevator, the, you know, when this first started and I, and I pushed the button with my knuckle and my neighbor was on. He goes, oh, I see you're practicing safe button. And I'm like, dude, I do that all the time in the winter. People are just sneezing all over this elevator. Yeah. Ew, <laughs> this
2: is New York City, dude. It's yeah. gross. I like, always I'm use a, my
1: knuckle. <laughs> I'm going
2: use my elbow and yeah. stuff. Like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> You know, I mean, a lot of people touch stuff, but you you, you want to know something else crazy, Brad? Because this time last year, I was in Tokyo, like, hobbling on a broken, All you know, feeling right. broken leg. Yeah. The first time I broke it, right? right. <laughs> and I would say 60% of people, more than half of the population outside were wearing masks. And I, right. in my mind... Was laughing at that. Like, I was like, right. what is going on here? Why are these people wearing masks? They're like overly paranoid. In my hotel lobby, there was a huge sign from the Japanese Ministry of Health that asked you to really be cognizant of if you were sick. And if you were, please wear a mask. You don't want to spread it to other people. Wash your hands. Stay inside. Limit contact. And I didn't really understand why they were being sort of uh, – I thought it was overly cautious. Right. Well, But they're... now I know why. They're so – they're much more advanced than us. Yeah. <laughs> so when we record – let's get back to this MOG. I call it MOG. I like that. Museum of Graffiti. Mm-hmm. Okay? Acronyms, Yep.
1: Yeah. It's good. It's a good one.
2: I think uh, they call it M. Emoji, but I, li- I like mug, personally. Um, I'm personally spearheading that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, everybody was so bright and hopeful, including myself. Mm. Sort of the future of, of graffiti and street art is now in this epicenter being presented to the public. Through Miami, through Wynwood, and you know it was a happy, happy, happy time, though COVID was on on the way, right? And everybody was starting to get nervous.
1: Yeah, and you were flying,
2: and I was flying. You lucked out. I did luck out. Mm. But Brad, everyone's going to have to get COVID. To sort of develop the antibodies unless they come up with like a vaccine like right quick, and that's just the facts. it affects people differently, and yeah. I don't, I might have had it right
1: right you might have
2: my kid had some crazy fever in February. He couldn't smell or taste anything. Everything he ate tasted disgusting to him. Oh, yeah,
1: that's the big symptom.
2: Very bland. I'm talking like toast and butter. He would be like, this is disgusting. Or like an egg, a fried egg with like butter and salt, like nothing. He just couldn't stand the taste of anything except for, I think, like crackers or goldfish or something. I don't even remember what he was eating. So, anyway, Mog. Mog. Let's Let's jump into Mog. And I think... We still are going to come out of this on top. At least I hope so. And we must continue to support the arts.
1: Yeah. Support your local podcast.
2: Yep. (laughs) All right.
1: Give me some mog.
2: Take me to Miami, baby. I'm so excited. And I am with the Museum of Graffiti crew. Um, We'll start. uh, Age before beauty. Mare 139, the infamous um, child star, right? Don't you think? You were were one of the youngest people. You? Uh,
3: No, I wasn't the youngest, but I was... You know, the youngest amongst my group of.
2: You were, very, elite you were very young. You were very young. When I was your age, I was eating lollipops. Were you born? I wasn't even born. You're right, I wasn't even born. Then we have uh, Alan Kett, who is uh, famous for many things, being um, a true ambassador of this culture. And Alison Frieden, hi, who is my, my first time meeting you. I'm very excited. And you're the third wheel. So tell me, how did the Museum of Graffiti come come to be? How did you guys all meet? Let's start, with, let's start with Kat.
0: So I moved to Miami two years ago. I was recruited by Peter Tunney, who is part owner of the Wynwood Walls or the galleries at the Wynwood Walls. And he wanted me to help him create Art okay, curate some shows and stuff. So I came down to Miami once I was here. He asked me to stay and run the galleries at the Wynwood Walls, and so I was ready to leave New York. Came down to Miami, okay. Uh, during the first few months that I was here, I started to sort of uh, meet people in Miami, kind of hang out a lot, and Allison is one of the first people that i met down here in miami and she was into the arts and smart and you know we started talking about the windward walls and art and and you know how i got here and then this idea of doing a gallery came up and uh i was like yeah it's kind of strange i kind of and see what Winwood is now that I'm here for an extended period of time, and I think that there's opportunities here, so out of that conversation and subsequent conversations over the course of some months of us getting to know each other and staying in touch came this idea of maybe not a gallery better than a gallery was a museum idea, and during that those first few months, I had lots of wacky ideas because I saw what Winwood was and what Winwood needed, and I think one of the things that. Stuck was this idea of a museum dedicated to graffiti in Wynwood because so many people come here, millions of people come here a year and there was no context. There was just lots of selfie sticks and questions.
4: I think one thing that was really important for Ket, I mean, growing up in this culture, is he... Certainly saw that the pioneers of the culture, who may have gone on to be car mechanics or do various other things, work in advertising or digital marketing in their careers, really needed um, an opportunity to have you know their their story told before they weren't with us anymore. Um, seeing as this was a uh, something that was really born out of the early seventies, you know, as time goes on, we're going to ha- lose the opportunity to kind of sing the song of these, you know, pioneers of this art movement that, that really went highly undocumented, um, for a very long time. I mean, Ket's been doing this work of collecting and documenting, um, an ephemeral art form and, uh, with that, I think one of the main ideas he had was perhaps a graffiti hall of fame um, or, you know, somehow honoring the people who, who really went the extra mile and weren't kind of the fly by night taggers. Oh, I did this for a summer. Or I got down for two years. But but, but really, let's not,
2: let's not like do like the press release here. Like, let's
4: just talk. You know <laughs> what I mean? Um, so what like attracted you to graffiti, Allison? Sure. I uh, I grew up here in Miami, and um, I was always, always a fan of urban culture. And um, while I didn't grow up in Wynwood, I watched Wynwood, you know, completely change from a, a whitewash industrial neighborhood into a beautiful, you know, street-packed, so-much-fun uh, neighborhood that— uh, Was in thanks to the graffiti artists, but there's nowhere to learn anything about them. Correct. And how did
2: you come on board here, (laughs) Mister Mister Carlos Mayor?
3: Well. <clears throat> Again, they they both had a vision, uh, and it's actually. But sh- you
2: were you were I was in a, New York I City. I was in New York. Okay. I, I
3: was, I was, so uh, you're
2: in New York. You get a
3: call, and well, I mean, Alan and I have been talking for years sure. as, as friends about the art, and and I've admired his collection, and and we've always talked uh, about you know possibilities for this culture, you know, whether it's publishing, whether it's advancing artists. He he he, like me, is an advocate. For this culture and this art for many years, um, and so when this conversation started happening between him and Allison, we were—I was uh, coming to, to actually to Miami from time to time while he was working at Wynwood Walls, and and pro, you know saying, "Dude, what are you what are you doing here? You know, what, what's you, you you belong someplace else?" And you perhaps he mentioned that he was thinking of this museum idea, and it was great because I was like. I had no idea when he met Allison, you know, like that, that this was going to be a real possibility. And then, uh, of course, he had asked me if I was interested and I wanted to come on board. And, and, uh, you know, this, this is kind of a a bucket list item, a a dream. Uh It's such an amazing reality, actually, for, for many of us who support and take part in this to have a home like this. So. When the opportunity came about, I was like, yes, I want to support it, and I want to be down. So can
0: I jump in? So, yeah.
3: So there's a lot of press release kind of talk.
2: Right. There's here. too much press <clears throat> release talk. Like, this so here's is, the real it, deal. Like, here's is, the, real, okay. here's yeah. the real
0: deal. I'm a fan of this movement. I've been painting my whole life, practically, since I was a kid, and I fell in love with it, and I learned how to read tags in my neighborhood. I loved it. Really early on, I met people like Henry... Child font who greatly influenced me to start documenting and taking pictures, right? I hung out with Nick One, all these guys back that in the 80s. That was your crew. Like that right? was my crew, so photo, I was down, was Photo Kings, right? Photo
2: Kings.
0: So yeah. me, Van, SB1, Cavs, Nick One, Charlie, DTK, we spent most of our times on platforms in New York City documenting the trains because Henry wasn't doing it anymore. Mm. He quit. Okay. He said, I've had enough. I'm doing films now. I've moved on. But Henry was our boy. He led us into his studio when we were kids on Grand Street to get out of the rain, to get out of the snow. And we would just gawk at all these portfolios and all these pictures. And we got it into our heads thanks to Henry's uh, accessibility that and his tutelage that we should have cameras and we should document our own shit because we were painting. Right. And we should also document everything. And we realized that the trains, by the time we started painting train, I mean, documenting, a lot of the train lines were getting cleaned already. So the seven line was already clean, as an right. example. So we're like, oh, it's disappearing. We so have to you fast. So
2: you feel that it's your duty as somebody in the community to preserve the history?
0: It's always been that way. Right. I've always felt that way. And not just to preserve the history, but to preserve its existence. So when the trains got clean in 89, Mm -hmm. my crew and myself said, not on our watch. You can't take graffiti away from the city. Right? And so and so we painted a whole- You went ham on the clean train. Right. I know. So we went ham, but that was because we felt responsible. If Blade Put in so much work. If Lee put in were, so much work, you were work,
2: thinking in terms of your historic value when you were painting trains.
0: We were thinking of the historic value of the. You whole weren't just movement. like, "Yo, I'm going to
2: just fuck no. shit up. I want to fucking no. paint." No, like,
0: we, just, we were saying we said it's all
2: about me, Kit. I'm gonna fucking get up here, Le- like
0: I was. I was. It
2: seems very lofty for like, like a young child to think no. about. But I do think that we weren't children.
0: Like, we weren't children at right. that point. We were. We were older teenagers, and
2: that's not w- children. That's ch- everyone's children
0: until they're right? like twenty-five. Or something. So, so <laughs> no. So we, frankly, you know. Of course, you wanted to go ham and have fun and bomb and go crazy. But you were
2: thinking about it in a cultural context. We said there's no
0: fucking way that for 20 years, this art movement has existed. Lee, Scene, Kel, Mayer, everybody has worked so hard and contributed to this art form and these beautiful trains that when it's our turn, that when we're doing this, we can't let them take it away. It's not happening. We have to continue this tradition. That's what we thought. We have to continue. It can't die. Like Risk Crew was the last crew. No, we have to not be the end. We have to be another chapter. Right, so, a link in the chain. A link in the Indeed. chain. And Indeed. And so, and so we were, we were on that as as a writing crew, as an individual. I was into saving the black books, saving the pieces of paper, taking the photos. Not everybody was taking photos in the crew. So I understood not only that we needed to keep it going, but that we needed to keep our history right. and retain it because there was no Henry and Martha anymore. They bounced. Right. And so that thinking stayed with me. Of course, I, you know, I kind of, you know, went on and went to college and did other things, but the whole time for whatever reason, I felt linked to this movement, and I kept being a practitioner. Whether I was painting walls, whether I was publishing magazines and, rep- and reporting right, on this stuff. Right, you're a
2: lifer. You're right? a lifer, and, and, so, and obviously 100%. so is Mayor. So I
0: met a, well. Right. Some of these guys aren't necessarily lifers, right? Right. And so Mayor wasn't a lifer. Mayor had stepped off. He was doing whatever he did in the the late '80s and the early '90s pursuing a fashion career or pursuing some sculpture shit i don't know right but
2: he was still doing it under the guise of mayor 139 and i'm we're like talking about you like you're not here But, but like changing letter forms into sculptures with metal still going and circling back to graffiti culture a little, so bit, what,
3: a little bit a really little bit a little bit a little bit are, are you gonna bit.
2: you're gonna say you abandoned graffiti
3: well I I took a different um, approach and and just in terms of, again, again I started very young mm-hmm. and by the time oh, right we know, we know right, writing very, on trains writing on trains was inappropriate I started uh, you know like he mentions like he he grew into his, his passion grew into other areas of advocacy, right? Mm-hmm. And for me, early on, and we mentioned the importance of Henry, who's an important influence on me, early on, I kind of started feeling like this, the opportunity to contextualize and academicize the art was really important. so... Yes, I stopped painting trains and walls, but I never stopped practicing the art form.
2: Right, because right? everyone has to kind of stop and painting illegally at well, some point. Well, well,
3: the risks were too high for somebody like me and, and right. that I had already put in the work and that I was kind of pursuing other interests, and, but also advancing the culture, whether it was introducing digital media to the culture, sculpture, design, fashion, whatever. Right. I think everybody transitions, right? And it's important that, that we do. I am a I'm a big fan and advocate of writers who bomb today. I don't mm-hmm. think I, I I don't play both sides of the fence. I think there's a balance between the streets and institutions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's super important. Um, but I for myself I don't write or paint uh, because I'm fulfilling a different role for the future.
2: Okay, so are you? Nervous to say that you still represent graffiti, or you're still like no, a graffiti writer, no, no, even here. though you don't I, write I, illegal graffiti. I, I, like it
3: claw, just claw. I'm here. No, because that's I, what
2: the, I feel like. A people who sort of advance and sort of step over the threshold into the formal art world, right? graffiti almost is an embarrassment. I know I have felt like that at oh, wait, times this is, where I have felt like ooh like oh well, I'm just like well, a well, little graffiti writer. Let me interject. And I just don't want you to feel like no, that. No, no, no. Let me All interject. Right.
3: This 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 what what Allison and Ket have done here. Right. This this is part of the formal institution Correct. building of uh, and we are part of that canon where we are already part of it. So there's no embarrassment. There's no like turning back the clock. Right. Right. We, we are part of this and we wholeheartedly embrace it. Mind you that we, we're at a really tricky place in terms of how we're defining this culture between street art and graffiti. And that's one of the things we do really well here. Mm-hmm. And I'm quite proud of that proud of my history and of the collective history here and the people that come here uh it, we're not waving like oh we're just contemporary artists and pushing this aside no we embrace that and advocate for that you could see that all along the outside and inside well, how of.
2: do you how do you feel because i am noticing street art is really crushing Miami and pushing graffiti no, to the side. No, 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 no. Oh, I'm watching it with no, my own no, eyes. No, no, no.
3: no. I got to tell you, and I'll say this because I, I, yesterday I posted this. When I walk around Wynwood, uh, and I'm not s-
2: talking about Wynwood no, specifically, no. but uh,
3: in, in the world of uh-huh. style writing, style mm-hmm. writing is bigger than than street art. And so when I when is. I look around, I feel it's a trip because I was like wow, this is like watching trains go by. Like you're in a train yard. And, and Wynwood at one point was a lot of murals, remember? Just less graffiti style writing. And now the art of style writing has really come into, to, into a good place here. It's,
0: it's, an, it's an interesting question. And I think that if you drive around Miami, if you drive around most cities, mm. most big cities, you can see the street art or the mural art. Because some of it, they're not even street artists, right? They have no street art practice. They just muralists. Correct. They're murals
2: that use spray paint.
0: Right? Mm -hmm. If they do. Okay. And so those works are of such large scale that they eclipse any burner on the street just because of their size. Right. There's also now this this tremendous interest by developers and cities and businesses to have this art that obviously speaks to the people and that beautifies our neighborhoods and and communities. So there's a desire for that bigger mural art all day long. Now, what I've noticed is that there's not too many or there's few graffiti artists or writers that step into that lane to do that scale of work. I would like to see more.
2: That's what, that's what I'm seeing, like, each time I come to Miami, I'm seeing less and less graffiti and more and more murals or whatever. Not that I don't love murals, not that I don't paint murals, but, you know, I, stra- I also straddle the line between graffiti and street art, right? I come from graffiti, but I paint- I'm a mural painter now. But I want to see the graffiti. You know what I mean? Like, I, I want to see, like, the local f- flavors. I
4: and- think coming from a local's perspective, what I've seen in, you know, the many, many years that I've lived here um, is that the city of Miami and the county has, has taken a different approach. We were inundated with graffiti and it's more of a if you can't beat them join them situation that you have on your hands since the inception of the art explosion in Wynwood you know the rest of the city as you were mentioning not isolated to Wynwood is catching on and what you have is an increased awareness and an increased emphasis on art in public places. Does that displace some of the spots that graffiti writers were you know painting in sure now fences might have a commissioned mural instead of a lot of tags or or burners or throwies or whatever um but what it doesn't change is that there's a big emphasis here on the freights there's still a big emphasis on bombing and and the crews that are around and you know i mean nobody here is in a local graffiti crew but I mean, they might take issue with them, you know. I don't think they're putting in less work. I think you're just seeing more and more street art or murals or whatever we're calling it as it becomes more sanctioned and and really like there's a there's an engine there politically now that's that's being fed a lot of money to pay for more art in public places that was not a thing here. It's
2: um, movement is completely revitalized Miami. Of course, they're going to take notice and start commissioning artists.
0: The interesting thing as well is that there are, you know, a good amount of graffiti writers that have adapted and realized this Mm -hmm. and have become successful muralists here in Miami. People like Abstract, Crave, Typo. Quake. Quake. They might not have Burners everywhere and some of them do but some of those large commission projects if you look at the credits it's them rage like it's actual real writers who've adapted and some of them have multiple personalities or different companies so that you don't know that they painted that mural but they are actually the street artists as well
2: and do you have any feelings that graffiti is sort of relegated to Wynwood? Because I started coming to Basel, I guess the second or third Basel, two thousand three. I think the first one's two thousand two. And I was coming to not hang out with graffiti writers and go to fancy parties and be on South Beach and go to the big hotels and I remember, right? Yeah, those were the those were the days. And then when sort of like the graffiti writers kind of caught on that we were down, like, oh, Claude did a thing here. Oh, maybe I can go down there and paint, right? Then there was this mass exodus of old retired toys coming down to Miami, smashing, smashing, smashing. And sort of now it's sort of like relegated to this one area where it was sort of more throughout now. You know what I mean? It's sort of being maybe. like tokenized in a weird maybe, way. Maybe. Right?
0: I don't know. I think those toys that you're talking about only painted in Wynwood and South Beach anyway when oh, they right. came down here. In like here.
2: 2015. Yeah. Or
0: 95. Right.
2: It was a comeback though. You it's know? a big, it's a big, come. it's the comeback trail. You come down to but Miami, then, you do like drop a bomb and then all of a sudden. And then you leave. You're right. You're, 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 no, you're like back, you're in motion.
0: Right. <laughs> right. For that, for that week. <laughs> You know, and so you see some of that here uh, during our Basel and you always get a surprise or Mm. two or three of riders that come out of retirement and come down here. But when you drive around Miami, there are bombers, there are local riders, there's still crews here that are still bombing and that are not relegated to Wynwood because if you're a crew, if you're a local rider and you only paint in Wynwood, guess what? You're a toy. Right. It's impossible. You have no credibility if you don't go elsewhere. It's, then you mean nothing.
2: I saw so much um, when I was driving. I, w- I came from Fort Lauderdale to here and I saw but, so much But stuff. also,
3: as Allison pointed out, there's a whole freight movement here. Right? Yeah. He would, you can't forget that if you don't see it, that doesn't mean it, exi- it doesn't exist. Is that right. they're painting freights and it moves.
2: Well, you know, it's freights, its own sort of sub. Category Like its own subculture even. But it like, lives.
0: It thrives here. And there's crews right, that are right, just right. really big freight riders right, here. There's
2: like, you know, like, yeah. I mean, freight's like kind of its own animal. Yeah, network like,
0: crew yeah. and right, all right. these crews, FS and and whatever. But the other thing about Miami, when you, when you learn about Miami's history, a lot of the riders in Miami painted in these things that they call pennants. And pennants are basically abandoned buildings. You know, around the city, so there's this pen that pen the other pen fountain blue pen and Hialeah pen and airport pen, okay. and so they're used to painting hidden from the from people from the public, so they could get off and not get arrested. And so, not the big tradition in Miami isn't necessarily painting burners everywhere. Right, like
2: active, like in the street. Right. Right.
0: And so it was either rooftops here uh, or it was tags, a lot of tags, but pieces and things like that, those are relegated to these hidden places that unless you were a writer, you wouldn't really see it anyway because they were on the inside.
2: Right. It always upsets me when I realize that graffiti is always like relegated to a photograph. You know what I mean? It's
0: it's, unfortunately, it's a criminal act and so we can't really do it. You know, I think what's beautiful about Wynwood is that you can come in peace without permission. Cops don't even think about it twice because they think that you have permission and they keep it moving and you can do it. And so that's why this neighborhood has been able to flourish because it exists in sort of a gray zone. I nice, see.
3: a question. In Miami, is is it a felony if you get caught writing?
2: Oh, yeah,
3: we can ask all well, the legal... Oh. She's,
2: a, oh. she's a lawyer, so she... I'm going bombing after
3: this, right? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it depends where you are in the nation. It's, it's,
4: right. So in Miami, the way that it's uh, broken down is exactly how much um, property damage you cause. Uh, it's a monetary threshold. Um, I'm a little rusty, so I can't remember uh, exactly what the threshold is, but I'm pretty sure the cutoff for a felony is $1,000 in Florida. Don't quote me on that and say, Judge, well, Allison told me if I only did $999 that I should walk um, because I haven't looked at the statute in a while. But I do get calls routinely. Um, they are still arresting graffiti writers. Um, you know, and I'm happy to jump in when that happens and, and take a look at whatever it is that they're being charged with. There was with.
3: a case with chrome that got, what was a million dollars bail. Could you imagine?
4: And we talk about that here in the museum. I mean, for me, growing up in the 90s, like I was very attuned to what was going on in the graffiti scene from being, you know, a kid not involved in this movement whatsoever. You know, I was fascinated by croaking chrome.
2: Huh. Million. So
4: a million dollars bail. And then what happened? It got reduced. So the, I mean, just to give a little backstory for folks in New York or or all around the world, I guess you can listen to this. Um, Crook and Chrome International. Interna- we are international. Well, oh, I read
2: about Crook and Chrome and it got dropped to fifty thousand dollars. I read all about.
4: It. Yes, yeah. Crook and Chrome uh, were were really awesome bombers in in the late nineties. I was coming of age. I am a little bit younger than everybody else sitting at this table. Um, they were on every single, uh, you know, uh, street sign and in, in on 95 uh going northbound southbound you name it everybody saw it it was in my it was in the nicest neighborhoods it was in the shittiest neighborhoods they got everywhere uh once they finally caught him the pro- state attorney's office asked for a million dollar bond they never were given a million dollar bond the judge looked at the, the state of uh, the prosecutor and said you're out of your mind nobody's giving them a million dollar bond maybe they caused a million dollars worth of damage i don't know but it, it was never at that point that." The the judge gave fifty thousand, and the case ultimately got dropped because they entered into without their apartment a without a that's warrant. That's
3: right, stupid cops. Right, so right. The, cri- the criminality. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, I I, know what What fascinates me about all of this is is the the, the criminality, right? The 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 imposed sentences and the tactics. I, you know, and Alan had a very public one in New York, and you know it, it's kind of a scary concept, and that's why writers like me quit because. Of those kinds of consequences that disrupt your life. Correct. Even, even Lady Pink and I were discussing this, and she too, her life was disrupted by these kind of Gestapo-like police that come in and tear your house apart uh, all around writing. No, like, but you know, what, what <laughs> the, the big thing that we all should know is to
0: always avoid police contact. Correct. And if you
4: can't, please call me. That's right. If you're in Miami, call Allison Friedland. (laughs) ASAP.
0: So, yeah, so you avoid police contact because you don't know. You forgot you had a joint in your pocket or whatever. And That's you right. know don't, You're getting arrested. Right. So you just don't want, ever want to have any police contact, whether it's with a, a dispute with a neighbor or this or that. You just don't know. So when they raided my house one time, right, they didn't find anything. But guess what? They found a bag of weed and I ended up in jail. They're, so d- you just, right. never They're know. just
2: looking for anything to to fuck with you. All right. OK, so let's talk about. The museum, a little bit more, and sort of the culture in which this is sprung from. And I want to get your opinion because it's a very lofty question. All right, graffiti, beef, it's a real thing. You had beef, you had beef. I think you and I actually had beef.
0: We might have had some beef. We might have had some beef.
2: Um, how can you have a museum of graffiti curated? By people that have beef with other people in the in the culture, how can that's a good question. things be historically accurate when they are told from one? Oh, vantage point? that's
0: so easy. Okay. That's <laughs> the like, easy. Don't
2: come to my motherfucking museum, bitch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, usually. You have beef with toys and toys don't count and so you don't have to talk about but, the toys.
2: Let's but but toys don't count. you toys, love toys, to toys say count. some wild he loves to say some wild shit, that is his shit, right? Yeah. But I've uh, I can have beef with people, right? And I still do, and I still can recognize their brilliance and their uh, maybe I'm you're not very, checking you're for them. Generous. I'm you're not very like, generous. And I can see their importance within the culture even if i don't like them don't respect them hate them personally whatever sure. i can still see a significance um not that i would po- i don't know if i would even be big enough to be like oh we got to put this guy down fuck that guy so i get it so but
0: like you know for me for me as as let's say the the guy who's responsible for being a bit of the filter, and now Carlos is is here in the museum as a filter curator. We have to put that aside. We have to put it aside. And so when you come in here and you see some of the stuff here, like these are not my favorite people. These are not my favorite artists, but these are the artists that matter. So it doesn't really matter what Ket personally likes. It matters what's right from a history perspective. And so... When we go into this first exhibition, it's a Style Masters exhibition. I talk to everybody and I ask them, you know, about the exhibition and what are their thoughts and what's missing and who's this. And people say, okay, why isn't this person there? And I say, well, is that person uh, the best at that style? Or is that person's style a copycat of someone else's style? Let's look at that. Let's really treat this the way museums treat this and really treat this art form in a way maybe that most people don't because it's typically a popularity contest, right? And so if you look at someone, you say, wow, that's a great straight wild, straight letter wild style piece. And I might see and I'm like, yes, but Seen did that piece already 30 years ago. That's why that's not here. That's why we're not talking about you, right? You look at that letter and you see that piece, that style that's popular in Berlin. I'm like, Blade did that in 1980. Why do we have to talk about you, right? Now, you can, but not if we're talking about it in a historical context. If we want to do a solo show on ugly style, let's say— and we want to do it on UT Crew, the Ultra Toys of Berlin. We can do that. It's a show about Ultra Toys from Berlin. Great. But if we're talking about history and who should be included, we want to include the best. We want to include the most significant. But
2: this is your opinion. I'm just saying. No, not, not, saying i opi- it's not my opinion. It's not my opinion. I'm playing devil's advocate with you. I it. love
0: it. And it's not just my opinion. But, so it, when-
2: but history is written by the victor. It is not necessarily... It is your history. It may be of your course, history. And it may course. be Allison's history. Of course. But it's not necessarily.
0: Everybody's history. And, and No, um, and I love that. And you're 100% right. Everything is subjective. Correct. Everything is subjective. Now, when I I knew that this this would trouble me, right, my whole life if I didn't go out and look and talk to my peers and say hey what do you think so when we started this project one of the things that i did is i sent out a survey to as many artists as i possibly could a hundred and something artists from around the world and it was a survey that said if you started a museum who are 10 people that must be in the museum that you couldn't sleep at night if you didn't include them and so I did that and then lots of other questions do you have this do you have that did, and, and so I ended up getting a lot of stuff so that I wouldn't be as subjective as I might be if I didn't know and so who are the people that kept coming up as an example people that you would expect Dandy, Blade Phase 2 o- almost on I would say 90% of the list obviously there are people that only shouted out their crew like my crew is the only crew that matters, but people that were a little bit more open and into history kind of kept repeating these same people.
4: I Zephyr. Think- I think that it's kind of a testament. I mean, what Claus what said is you guys used to have beef and we're all sitting here together. We, you know, we brought you down here. We wanted you to be here. We're and adults, of, of course, and I think that, that that really plays into what we're doing here at the museum, which is that, it. you know, Kat's resume speaks for itself. He attends every conference, reads every book, has written probably like 17, 18, God knows how many books on this subject matter. And, and you know, in his his defense because I'm completely handicapped when it comes to, you know, fact-checking Ket or whatever it is, or fact-checking Carlos. I don't even try, you know, sometimes I try it whatever um but but I really try and stay out of that that portion of it so but I am very sensitive to your comment um so I think I do kind of ask them questions and challenge them as do people visiting here from around the world um opinions are like assholes everyone has one and and we and Ket does an incredible job of listening and, and I really think that's how you keep it real. You, you listen, you're man enough to listen. You know, people come in here and say, well, you, um, you know. No,
2: it's a very, it's a very difficult thing to be, you know, completely objective. And I think, you know, this is a, a very, very impressive attempt to be so inclusive with so many people?
0: Some of the people that are included in this museum, in this particular exhibition that I'm talking about, I don't know who they are. No idea who they are. I've never met them. I've seen their work for the first time or did some research. No clue who they are. And so it's not about my favorites because we've gone out and sought experts in certain fields sure and said hey who are the people or what are the things so the Miami section isn't a uh like, I don't know that stuff. Mm-hmm. We had to do the research. Of course. So we brought in Dash, who's an old Miami writer. Shout, you know, out, shout right? out to
2: Dash FC. That's so, my boy.
0: So you know Dash. And so Dash had to do the research. Of and course. Dash went into, into this whole thing. And then we did the work so that we could represent it. We still can't make the Miami writers happy because we only covered up until 1989. Right. And we couldn't cover everybody because people don't answer emails or phone calls. Sure. But we do the best that we can. And so this is a a this is a, an art form. Or an art movement that doesn't have a lot of documentation, that doesn't have a lot of research done on it, that is just right now starting to be uh, available to, let's say, scholars and academics and nerds that want to write and interview and find and dig up these old fossils that painted in 1970, right? People come in here, they're like, what about Chicago? And I'm like, what about it? Show me a book. Dig up those old guys. Let's start the work because we don't know. They where probably, are the interviews. they
2: have it in Chicago. I'm sure there's somebody over there. A little currently. bit,
0: but when you look at Miami, as an example, there were no books about Miami. Right. There were photo books, but there was no history books. There's sure. no interviews. So where are these people? And by the time, if we don't do the work now- They're dead. And so how do you find the guys? In in those cases that I showed you earlier today that show the first generation of Miami writers, some of those people are dead. Many of those people are dead now. We can't talk to them. And so this museum can start to do some of that work and do some of those interviews and that research. But we really need people to take this movement seriously and do some of the work in your neighborhood, in your city, with your own crew. I ask people in some of my crews, yo, who started this crew? And they don't even know. And they're down with the crew, you know? And so these are things that we take for granted that all these guys, Mayor's going to be around forever. Kel is going to be around forever. I mean, look
4: at that face, though. He doesn't even age. Like, it's ridiculous. He sleeps in a cryo chamber. (laughs) (laughs) I I heard it's (laughs) expensive moisturizer. Oh, I bet it
3: is.
2: Give us your beauty secrets.
3: (laughs) Soap soap and water. Uh, But no, to to your point about history, and it's it's so important, you know, like I and and, and of course, determining who's valued in history. One of the things I've often said uh, is that one of the things I I one of the things I appreciate about history is that it's always correcting itself. It is a history is not, especially in this day and age where uh, you have social media and you have access, it, it, it makes it a bit easier. But the fact is that there is some self-correction that can happen, mm. right? It's it, it's not in the same format of olden times where you were relying on a book or a certain scholar. This is really a peer-to-peer culture and people who are really concerned about history. I actually, me and my brother Kel entered this culture um, Asking questions first And asking about history uh, So that we were better informed
2: So it's interesting that you bring up your brother I feel like your brother Is such an important Graffiti writer That people don't even know about So multi-generational Like One of the most important Really like passing the culture From, from generation to generation And How can you, like, how can you tell the story of your brother and not? Well, be like oh it's my brother look, like you know what i mean no, it's no, like look.
3: <laughs> all, all those beatdowns. <laughs> no no here's here, here's how you know you, you you can't you can't tell the story of crash without kel you can't tell the story of dondy without kel you can't tell the story of men without kel you can't tell my story. there are countless other artists if you are, are are recalling their story kel is an important and integral part of that sure um and and again that is part of that just doesn't Goes, it goes for knock. It goes for part. It goes for cool and butch and case. It, it is. But
2: it's like a, a like a, like it, if you know you're. It's like if you there, know you know, and there, if you don't know, you'll never know. But there, like, there, it's,
3: there are books. But also like here we represent and we talk about them. We we one of the nice things that we did here actually. Particularly in the 80s section, uh, when it comes to Kel, you see Henry Chalfant's pictures, Kel painting with Scene, Kel painting with Futura, Kel next to his partner Dondi, Kel next to his partner Pink, right? Um, and so in that way, in, in, in our effort, you know, and not, not just on his behalf, but on others too, is that you contextualize them next to their peers, Right. So if you're going to talk about somebody, well, of course, you know, here, like, for instance, we have pictures of Butch. And I love this because there's that little drawing of Case. I draw a reference from a photograph of Butch painting a whole car and then saying, here is his partner Case. Butch and Case, the fantastic partners.
0: It's, it's a really interesting thing to ask about Kel. I'm a Kel fan. Right. Obviously, I stole two of his letters. <laughs> and uh, in, in the museum, there are a few... Individuals that are really, really critically important in the existence of this movement. Blade is one. Phase two is another one. Um, and you go through the museum and you keep seeing their names coming up over and over again through generations, right? Yeah. And I also mean- sometimes through the work of other artists. So you start in the 70s section and you see... Uh, blade as an example there's a photo of a blade painting in 1975 then you get to 1980 and then you see a blade train in 1980 wow five years he's still painting then you get to the 80s canvases and then you see a painting of his in 1989 you're like wait that's 14 years later he's still going then you get to the 2000s and you see a blade supreme deck and you're like well how could this possibly be this person's been around for 30-something years involved in this movement. And so what I love about this style timeline that we have is that you see who's really been deep contributors to this movement. Kel is one of those people, but there's even bigger contributors. But isn't like it interesting
2: blade. that you should even bring up like a Supreme? And you know how many graffiti writers work at Supreme? That's why and we like, highlight You that. know what I mean? We like, highlight them for that. That the... It, it has infiltrated the culture in, in mass from art direction and advertising and all of fashion and right. So um, what is your five-year plan?
0: So our, so so I guess a few things.
4: You may get different answers from both of us. Yeah, no, I think. No, I I
2: think it's good. Listen, I I think. You know, I mean, I mean,
0: for one to stay in business, we're new, we're we're brand new. We're three months into it, so we have to learn this business, and we have to learn how to stay in business. We have to learn what it is to raise money. We have to learn what it is to operate a museum.
2: Now, you're selling work. And some work is not for sale. Like, how are you distinguishing what's for sale and what's not for sale?
4: And it's interesting because we've—I've been asked this question by reporters, by— people inquiring off the street and then by kind of people in the know in the midst of the culture also. Um, So I'm kind of used to answering this and and I feel completely comfortable with the way that the museum is set up, which is that um, we have under our roof, for those of you who haven't been here yet, um, we welcome you to come. But in anticipation of your visit, there's three things that happen in the museum. You come in and you see the exhibition. We also have a gift shop like many other um museums around the world have. It's a must have. It, it's a must. And and Claws products are there and we she actually has a section to herself. I need I need a section. Um, so but one thing we also do have within the footprint is a fine art gallery. Um, right now we ha- are lucky enough to have Persuade's Wet Paint Show here that features 90 different artists from around the world and we are so proud to give graffiti artists like a platform To sell their work, to show their work, to show the world what they are coming up with right now, what they have in store for us. And and really, it's been a group of artists who have routinely, I don't have to tell you guys, have been routinely marginalized by blue chip institutions. We are going to change that. We are committed to changing that, committed to our mission. Uh, We're going to not only level the playing field, we're going to bulldoze it. Um, and we're, we're doing it in the best way we can.
3: I, I, I like that response because I think one of the things in talking with Allison and Ket about uh, a museum, building an institution, right? There's there's always been this uh, formality uh, that governs museums around the world. And it's interesting because it hasn't really grown and adapted to a, a new A new society that's uh, taking part in art making and collecting and viewing art, right? Uh, Even, even...
2: It's the elite class. Right.
3: And by consensus, even ICOM, the International Committee of Museums, Mm -hmm. couldn't define what a museum could be. So I think because this is such an irreverent art form uh, that we're like, wait... We can hold to the tenets of what a museum should be and could be, a learning institution, preservation institution, a community institution. But you know what? We have to create sustainability and, and access to artists. And what's really nice is that by having a commercial gallery space, it contextualizes people from the culture with the history, right? Correct. And that's really unique because people like Shu, Neil Shu Mewen, who just had a show with us, he's a former graffiti writer. And he used
2: to con- paint with Dondi, I remember. Yeah.
3: And contemporary painter. Right. Right? And we want to exalt that. But as same same as we were saying here about the wet paint show, it's like now we can present a a show that's affordable art of men right. And so women. someone can
2: come, they can learn the history, and they can take a and little can, piece of it home exactly. and and interact with it and
3: and it, sort of relate to it. Well, more. also uh, here's here's one of the- the points I want to drive in as well is that it's important for us to create sustainability inside, outside the museum, right? We commission artists inside and outside to do murals, but also by having this art that's affordable inside creates something important for them and for us. And that's the provenance of the work, right? Cause it's coming from a place and institution that is built uh, a- around this culture, right? right? So that means you're getting it from a reputable place. Right. That's important. And for many people who are showing for the first time in a museum, they're like, holy shit. Well, we, um,
0: we live and breathe this. Right. We know yeah. this. We've been around it enough that we can vet the artist. although that shouldn't be our only mission or a thing. But we know it. Listen, you some guy was just here a little while ago, really happy to be here. And he started talking to me about, buying, you know, his brainwash paintings, you know, and so people don't necessarily know.
2: Right. Of course they don't know. Right. Right.
0: And so when you come here, you learn and you know, and then you ask, why isn't brainwashed here? We can tell you. Or why isn't this person here? Or what does this person have to do with this art movement? Are they a part of it? Are they not? And so you have a sounding board here where we can talk about that and it's safe and we're not judging you on it, but we're telling you this is this, this is that. Okay. This is what this is about. And you know, that's, that's it. We're
3: we're very clear. We're very clear about distinguishing what street art and graffiti is. It's one of the first questions I pose to people when they walk in the door. And if they don't know, I can clearly show an example as you look out. Okay. But we're very clear on what our mission is and what we support. Right. Uh, And that's really important in terms of defining and holding your ground on a subject.
2: And so here's a subject that's very near and dear to me. Are you going to be like other museums and not focus on women too much?
3: We just had to. I'm <laughs> just busting your chops. No, no. You know, a- Allison, you can jump in on this because we, we just. Because
2: I you. think that women, especially in the early part of graffiti, the the infancy, like Barbara and Eva were as I and I wasn't there to, to watch it unfold. But as I was told by many a person that they were the top, the, the most up.
0: No one can fuck with that. So Barbara, 62, Eva, 62, and Michelle, 62, the forgotten Michelle, did bomb, right? Barbara mm-hmm. was Cuban, Cuban-American. Okay. And so, but this is the problem. When you get into those early stories, where is Barbara? Where is, it's, these people are really hard I to heard find.
2: Eva went to Tough I, City. I heard
0: about that as and well. That and, was,
2: and then she like slinked out of there like, like just I'm, like. Doing the moonwalk, like, leave me alone.
0: Right. So right. Th- so this is the problem. When, when you have people that did this 50 years ago, they kind of don't want to be found. It was a thing that they might have done for a year or two, and they did it as kids. And for them, it wasn't a big deal. And now we look back at history and we understand it, but they don't want to be found. Sort of like another person that I'd love to talk to would be super cool to 23. Right. Very important guy, but they don't want to be found. But getting back to the question about women it's a problem it's been a problem for us in the graffiti movement it's been a problem in art institutions around the world we know this we're trying to get better the fact that Allison is here she's a vocal advocate she calls me out oh my on, my, on my
4: I I, my I sexist, go pretty much I self. pretty much go bananas once a week claw on this issue um, you know I have no problem calling cat out on an international podcast and say rocky isn't hard to find we can find her She will participate if you dazzle her with your charm and wit and convince her.
2: And I'm going to say this for Kit. I have heard that Rocky didn't really write. And that's probably why he's being very. And that's the difference between you and I. Like you and I have had some discussions what someone might think is a graffiti writer isn't necessarily. We
0: could talk about Stitch, sure. another Cuban American.
4: Sure, and right. and there's other there's so other ways to incorporate, that, like, I, I, and we can. Right. My my bottom line is we can do better. Um the wet paint show that we have right now has female artists I believe oh, you were the, You show, were yeah. definitely in wet paint at some point I don't unfortunately I don't think your pieces yeah, are available you're they, sold out but sold out um so I don't think we have you here but I think that there's we can always do better um and I just want to plug our women's history month activations if you don't mind is that we did just complete a sprawling gorgeous uh, wall by Reds she is awesome. She's she awesome. is um, a bomber. She's a piece. She does everything. Um, she is a really tough chick. She's the only member, the only female of an all-male crew. Um, and next to her wall, um, we just finished Lady Pink's wall. Um, we have you here. And we also are bringing in um, Dr. Pavon Calon. Did I say that right?
2: Dr. Jessica Pabon. That's my bitch. OK, All there right. you go. She
4: will be uh, signing Graffiti Girls here uh, on Mar- in, in March 26th. And right. we're really excited to do a lot of pro-feminine, pro-female writer uh, programming this month. And so that is a very interesting book. Have you read, tried to read? I'm that reading
2: book? it now. So it's a, a purely academic book, which means that everything needs to be backed up by fact when she makes a statement. And I disagree with her highly. We've had very lively discussions. She's my she's a really close friend of mine, and I disagree with her. Oh, her, you should see my
0: copy of my book.
2: Um, with her viewpoint, but at the same time, how could she have any other viewpoint as an outsider? Yes. And the main thing, which is, it's a very interesting book that she doesn't sort of understand, is that like. Women are relegated when there's violence to the back, right? But so are men. So are a lot of men in crews, right? There's a lot of guys that you're like, this isn't for you, like, back up. So, like, a graffiti crew is like a basketball team, and everyone has a position, and sometimes you're shooting and sometimes you're defense. And I think she didn't give a fair play to women in a, cer- in a certain respect. Um, of how much men do love and support them,
3: you know? Yeah, you know, people, when I was in art and design, you know, we had a, a, a few notable writers.
2: A lot of girls. women writing yeah, graffiti. We, we had
3: Lady Hart, Lady Linda, Tiny, uh, of Ladybug, course. Lady Bug, right? Sandra, yeah. And so, you, you know, they, they, obviously, this is a male dominated culture per se but I see that changing and you know what I you mentioned Reds and I admire her so much because it, and it's kind of silly and I we were talking about it like you know, oh, she can keep up with the boys. I'm like, yo, she surpasses so many of the boys. The, she's great. The, the, the female writers today have a, a, a immense talent. People like Claudia Madsey's immense, She's talented. Ingr- she's incredible. You have Honey Bee, who's rocking right now. Mamuk who's been around for a while. You
2: have Utah crushing steel yes. internationally, you being locked on. out of countries. You have Miss 17, all city, every single
3: Burrow. Uh, the other can't
2: thing, fuck with Miss Seventeen. The other
3: thing that's that's interesting about us here is I, I perhaps we're cultivating the next girls because we have the drawing sessions with young kids, young boys and girls. And again, once you introduce and the, girl, the
2: girls, have the style, right? They're good. Well, they
3: again they got the bubble it, a, style a,
2: early, early. Well, <laughs> now now it's
3: about an introduction, right? You it, it is passing the torch, and and I, I like that. I, I like the inclusion of, of women. Uh, In this in this culture. Always have.
2: Right. Good. Me, too. Um, Thank you guys so much. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to find out um, everything that's going on here to come back again and again and see all the different installations. And if we want to catch up with Museum of Graffiti. We can find it at themuseumofgraffiti dot com. They're on Instagram at Museum
3: of Graffiti. Can we plug our next show uh, with Let's Ces. plug
2: your let's, oh, yeah. you're having a show with Sess, yay!
3: I know we're really excited about it. That's coming up when when April, does that April third? Oh, perfect. Um, it's called the Process and his drawings. Of course, his fabulous drawings and 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 paintings. Uh, we really are looking forward to Sess is the best. It's going to be great. Yeah, we're going to have a print signing as well and and a shirt release. So uh, those of you who are SES fans please uh, either come visit us or check us online
2: and and you can catch up with all of this also you can find all of these people individually on Instagram let's uh, let's do a little roll call what's your Instagram Carlos Mare one word no dashes
0: Alan Kett no no
4: dashes no, no, dashes. no underscore A-L-A-N-K-T. and Allison's K-T-T. is really annoying because mine's <laughs> Allison F and it has periods in between every letter <laughs>
2: Oh, just like a woman. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and and shout out to Kevin for sound engineering. Woohoo! Thank okay. you. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. I Hey.
1: Yeah, right. That was good. Wish I'd been in Miami with you.
2: You know, it was um it was fun. I painted I painted a wall with my girl Reds mm. on the side of ninety five on a Friday night. I was like a young whippersnapper. <laughs> I saw like friends, I like got to hang with my boy Paul Zimmerman. It was a good goodbye to normal life trip for me.
1: Was it Miami weather? Was it good?
2: Yeah, it was good. I'm sorry you missed it, honey.
1: Could you use some beach right now.
2: I mean Today is particularly gloomy, but New York has been s- super no, nice.
1: It's been pretty nice. You're right, but I'm just thinking more about the space. Not all of us live on the beach, you know. Clara.
2: Yeah, I know. I'm like at the <laughs> beach every day. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm like whatever at the beach. Whatever. <laughs> huh. Listen. Shout out to my boy Kevin. Yeah. You know, coming down, miking us up, hooking it up.
1: No, he did a good job. It's, it's not easy to do a remote like that. I like the point you brought up about um, curating, about the, the graffiti culture sort of curating itself when it's when it's so competitive. I mean, by its very nature, right?
2: Yeah. It is going to have to unfold, but... As always, history is written by the victors. Yeah. Right? Like, you know what I mean? And there you you have have it. (laughs) uh, Like, in general, you have to really, like, watch, like, who's, you know, where's the bias coming from, especially.
1: Yeah, well, you can't, even with the best intentions, you can't be, you know, completely, I I would, I'd say bias, you can't be objective, you know, like by your own very nature. It's just you've got to, you, you of course, sort of put everyone out there what has, you know.
2: Everyone has. Um, you can
1: be totally unbiased about what you know and what you're familiar with. But but at the end of the day, that doesn't make you universally objective, right? Because you're only, you work with what you know.
2: It, I, I think that um, this is a great start. They're really putting people on they're trying to really like be inclusive of also like the Miami writing scene. Mm-hmm. Probably to a lot of the Miami writers, it's not enough. It should be about them. It's in their town. Anyway, we're going to still continue to bring this podcast. Brad and I, we are going to figure figure this out and do it remotely. And um,
1: so, yeah, keep an eye on everything.
2: Shout out to Bubbles, who's yeah, Bubbles. probably writing. The most amazing music right now.
1: Oh, uh, maybe we'll get a whole record out of this from Bubbles.
2: Ooh, Bubbles.
1: <laughs> he's not, he, He's got two kids just like me. He's not getting anything done.
2: <laughs> well, maybe they're like the Partridge family. Or I, I figured you <laughs> would be like the Partridge family too.
1: We, we've got the best intentions to make, to make music here. It could still happen. I mean, it looks at this point like we, are, we still got plenty of time.
2: You know, honey, there's no camp this summer. So Ugh. I mean I'm about to partridge family. We are like a rap partridge family though. Okay. <laughs> We're okay. like a hip hop partridge family. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still the tambourine girl though. I whatever. I,
1: I'll send you some beats. That's my part.
2: <laughs> um shout out to Bubbles, shout out to Acast, shout out to Soundwag on Instagram every second with their videos. Um <laughs>
1: Saturating track, the market.
2: Going off track yeah, podcast is popping right now. And it's all about podcasts, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, we've we're we're keeping people entertained.
2: Claw and co is popping. We're making stuff. I'm making <laughs> like I'm making all sorts of weird stuff. I'm like making corona spores in my art. Um what
1: about a claw mask? That's what everybody wants.
2: I know everybody's asking me for a claw mask. I'm like, oh, just don't <laughs> It'll look like like you know that scene from Alien where that thing like it goes on your like sucks down your face. Yeah, you know I think it would be <laughs>
1: sick. I think it'd be great. <laughs> <I'd want> one.
2: <laughs> it's like a cute alien mask I'm or like to go
1: dig out one of your fucking t-shirts here and make my own if you don't get me one.
2: I'm making art. And guess what? Our your boy your boy my boy Bill Wilson gave uh commissioned me to do some art and
1: Oh, really? Another one? Yeah. He did a Shout out to Bill No, the same one I have. Oh. <laughs>
2: I'm, I'm on that. I'm on it. I'm on my Rona game, guys. All right. Claw and Co., we're, we're popping out the products. <laughs> we have quarantine boxes. No, we do. We have, we have uh, quarantine boxes, and you get gloves and all sorts of shit in them.
1: I told you that Bill's supposed to release a new goop song.
2: Oh, that's really exciting. When is that coming out? It was
1: supposed to be out. It was supposed to come out like. It's part of a package. There's another band that was going to do a cover, and it's it's been postponed. So I don't know. I'm I'm tempted to just push out the song.
2: Can I just tell you something? Now is the time to release. I know.
1: Said, I know. It's it just that he the, was going to hype the it. Moment. There was going to be like this mini doc with it and all this stuff, and so. Yeah, I think it's all being postponed. But yeah, this I've been sitting on this stupid song for, for ages, so I'm thinking of maybe just pushing it out. We'll see. Anyway, you brought no, up Bill Wilson. You want I had the mini
2: doc. You want it with the mini doc. I know, duck. I know, I know, I know. Okay, you gotta just wait.
1: <laughs> okay, I'll wait. You gotta
2: make some music with your children. Okay. Peace everybody. We'll see you soon.
1: Bye. <laughs>